Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. We are delighted to be with you on whatever number episode this is. We don't number them. We just name them. They're, they're all seven. They're all seven because there are six of us and you are our seventh sister. That's the too. Seven Sisters Homeschool Group. Isn't that cool how we do that? So this episode that we're naming is the one about Reader's Theater. Reader's Theater is cool. Reader's Theater is cool. And That's, you should do it. And you should do it. Reader's Theater is cool and you should do it. That's the title of today's episode. <laughs> So we're glad that you are with us. We have been struggling a little bit with tech problems this morning. Our our microphone, our really cool microphone, his name is Yeti. We, we call him Yeti because we name most things. We do. So Yeti the microphone did not want to talk to Josie the computer because my <laughs> computer's name is Josie. And so Yeti and Josie were not talking to one another, but we, we did a little... A little mediation and we got them to get along and so they're now cooperating well so we're, we're grateful that Yeti is playing nicely with us now this morning. Reminds me of my cat Chowder. It's not even a kid homeschooler story it's a cat story. I'm an old <laughs> cat lady. <laughs> it's okay for all the other cat ladies out there we're not judging. I'm a, actually an old cat lady too so <laughs> I can't throw any stones. So tell us about Chowder. What so, happened? So Chowder was not communicating very happily after she went to the vet the other day and I was the one who put her in her little cage to go to the vet. Uh-oh. So my son took her to the vet but I was the one who put her in. So when I got home from work that night she was all better and she had been good for the vet and she sat in my lap and purred for a minute. And then she looked at me with her little ears flat back. Like, <laughs> you are the one that made me have a bad day. And then she clawed the tar out of my arm. <laughs> so it's like having a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah, they're not dumb animals. Sometimes they're really smart animals. And they, they will remember and hold a grudge. So I, th yeah. I think Yeti is kind of like that. He was holding some kind of grudge against me and... So you had to plug him in the same way I did. And I plugged him into the same USB port, and suddenly he, he was, was happy. Working. So, yeah, we don't understand many things tech, but we, we understand some things homeschool, high school, which is what we're talking about today. So we'll, we'll not offer a podcast on how to use all of your technology, because we know our limitations. Indeed. But let's talk about Reader's Theater. And, and why, why it's cool it. and you should do yeah, it. Yeah. So Reader's Theater is near and dear to my heart. I love drama. And I love literature. And I love kids and teenagers especially. When you put those three into one room, what you might end up with is Reader's Theater. And it, it sounds like the nerdiest idea. And being a nerd is cool. Absolutely. So there's nothing wrong with being a nerd. And if you're a nerdy cat lady, that's cool, too. That's cool, too. Pull them all together. <laughs> so, but Reader Cedar actually is not a nerdy thing. It's not. Basically, if you define something as fun, the kids are going to have fun doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. But our kids have had so much fun doing Reader Theater. And even kids who thought that they didn't particularly like to read, they definitely didn't like to read aloud, and they weren't even sure whether they liked theater, still ended up thinking yeah. that the Reader's Theater 
things we did were really fun. And I think it's mostly because we put it in a party setting. Well, it always helps when you have snacks that yes. are good snacks and mm -hmm. when you're with friends because lots of homeschooling things are more fun when we do them with friends. Indeed. So let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the why. Why in the world do we include Reader's Theater and recommend it for teenagers? And um, aside from the fact that it's fun and the specifics of how to make it fun, um, is this very simple fact that you're reading which is important for homeschooling, right? Right. And some kids are bookworms and want to sit and read, and other kids struggle a bit to get enough titles onto their book list by year end. And, you know, they have to have their book list for their language arts credit. Because the language arts credit is a really big monster credit. It is. And it indeed. takes a lot of time. So one of the ways to shave a little bit of time off getting all those books onto the book list is by using a play or two for some of the books on your book list because they are published works of literature. They're books. But they were designed to be performed in somewhere around two hours. So reading the play, while it does not take only two hours, it takes significantly more than that, but it might not take the full eight or ten or twelve hours that reading a longer book might take. So compare that to like Les Mis. Oh my. Even the abridged version of Les Mis mm -hmm. is more than a few hours of yes. reading. So, uh, yes, shortening the time is one lovely reason to do Reader's Theater. What are other reasons? Well, variety is uh, another thing. Is Kids need different experiences in reading. And so reading plays is part of the richness of having a good literature credit. But it's it's... Like, not something most kids do just for fun. Like, I'm not going to go to the library and pick out a play to read, usually. Yeah, I had one son who actually did, but he's, <laughs> he's the one who wants to be a writer and director before it's all over with, so I, so I guess that was kind of... So he just doing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was kind of quirky on his part. But yeah, in general, kids are not going to think, hey, I'll read a play. But reading plays is, is really cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of experience and very good for them. And the whole rhythm of having stage directions spelled out. And with some playwrights, that's really extensive. They give mm -hmm. a lot of uh, explanation and direction as to how the next set of lines are to be read and all. That's really new for kids who have never done anything with drama or community theater or stuff. And seeing that for the first time can also just be really culturally enlightening, I guess, to realize yeah. how much goes into... Um, even movies that they watch or whatever, how much the original writer sets all of that in motion for the actors and directors. So it gives them a glimpse into the writer's head there. Another reason to do that, Reader's Theater, is it's a huge unit study if you want to make it that yes, way. Yes, it really lends itself to cultural learning and historical setting study and all of those things. Yes, yeah. yeah, we uh, did a readers theater group. One of the families in our homeschool kind of collection of people um, invited us to spend a year doing Shakespeare readers theater with them. So about once a quarter, we would get together, and they were doing Shakespeare the whole year. So we did Shakespeare plays, and they had made it this monster unit study out of Shakespeare. So we did background information and music and learned a lot about the culture of the Renaissance, which was good for the kids history-wise. They could log some history hours, 
um, but also gave them some cultural background to the stories. So if you're coming at it that way, you're also combining credits, right? Indeed. Yeah, you're getting so, history learning alongside literature learning and public speaking. Public speaking and music. Like Fine the, arts, right. Music, music dance. Mm -hmm. Bring the dance in, too. And if a play has a geographical setting that is important to understand, pull some geography hours in there, too. If, if it's important that this is all happening on a mountaintop in Switzerland, then you probably need to know something about that if you've never lived on a mountaintop in Switzerland. Indeed. Good stuff. So you make unit studies around Reader's Theatre. And additionally, another reason for doing Reader's Theatre is public speaking. Yes, indeed. Some kids take to public speaking easily, and you have no trouble finding and creating situations where they can log those hours and get those experiences. And for other kids, they would rather have their teeth drilled without Novocaine than indeed. to have to speak. Yeah. And it's a controlled environment, a limited number of people, people that you have chosen mm -hmm. to be safe enough to be there. And you're not just having to stand up and give the whole speech yourself. You're taking turns, working with a group, but you are having to speak clearly and effectively and uh, intentionally and thoughtfully. So and it it's helps. people outside just the immediate family usually, so that gives it the public angle mm. of the speaking. But it, you know, the the cool thing about public speaking as part of the language arts or a separate credit is there's not a definition on how much public has to be there. Right. Very good. Or yeah. what the format is. You don't have to stand at a podium to have public speaking experience. So reader theater is a nice laid back way to get into to that get experience. Your yeah, get your toes dipped in there and find out that the water is, is not so scary and maybe you could swim after all. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some of the specific um, events that we have hosted or been a part of because there are a number of ways to hold a Reader's Theater. Just like there's not one, one right, right way, way to homeschool, homeschool, there is also not one right way to, to hold reader's a Reader's Theater. theater. So um, you go first, share a little bit more. You talked about the family that you that you co yeah. collaborated with uh, for Shakespeare for a year. So that was so fun. And the, the cool thing was, is I was invited. So, you know, my family came and joined this other family who was, sh they were studying Shakespeare for the year. So they had, I don't remember how many of us families together. There were a few. and um, And we made a day of it. So we would take a break reading between acts and have snacks and meals and listen to music of the time period. Um, but it was a combination of readers in the reader's theater part of the adults and the high schoolers and some of the middle schoolers, too. And then the little kids ran around because... They were little kids. Little kids. And it's so good to run around when fun. you're a little kid. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it, so it was a whole family event, but it really gave us a chance to experience something fun and different together. I like that it was multiple generations doing mm -hmm. it together, too, because some teens assume that the adults are always comfortable and confident with any of these things. And the truth is that a lot of adults are not really comfortable reading aloud in yeah. situations maybe beyond reading to their own children or right. something. And sometimes it can be really fun for the teens to get to see the grown-ups 
a little bit out of their comfort zone, too. So fortunately, I think the first play that we did together was one that I was familiar with, and it helped me feel a little more comfortable with doing something that I'd never done before. So I think we did Much Ado About Nothing first. I love that one. And it, it was, yeah, it's one of my Shakespeare favorite plays. Like, and so just because we wanted to get in the mood, we watched the Kenneth Branagh um, you know, DVD version, version of uh-huh. it several times, you know, to get, get in the zone before we went. I could just watch Benedict do his, his whole monologue by the fountain over, over and, and over. over. <laughs> <laughs> I love Benedict. Ah! Okay, sorry. Um, I'm getting a little Shakespeare geeky there, and we're supposed to stick to Raiders Theater geek and Cat Lady geek for the day. So (laughs) (laughs) okay, Um, I have been a part of of a Raiders Theater day that was a smaller scale. What you're Mm -hmm. talking about that was primarily just the teens doing the reading, and I would read the stage direction portions, but they would just we would just read around the room. So. That's one thing you decide every time you you host a reader's theater. Are you going to assign parts, and the Mm -hmm. same person will read the same part every time it comes up? That's what we did. Okay, that's what your group did. Um, In our group, I let the kids vote which way they wanted to do it, and they decided that they would rather just read around the circle, and whatever line came next, you read it, and it didn't matter whether you were the right gender for that part or not. And if it was a really long line or had a lot of words that intimidated you, you were allowed to say pass and it could go to the next person. Um, It was lovely to see though that a couple of them that were saying pass in the first few minutes stopped saying pass after a while because they realized that it was okay. We were just reading the play. We weren't acting it. We weren't supposed to um, bring all sorts of, I don't know, emoting to it. We were reading it and it was okay. So it wasn't acting. It yeah. was reading. It was a reader's theater, not a, a drama event. Exactly. And that's something that I think is, is unfamiliar to a lot of people, that there is something lovely about the flow of a play simply being read aloud. Mm-hmm. It's written as dialogue. It's written differently than a novel. And so people are used to reading aloud to their children, and you have long descriptive passages that you're reading and such. Um, In a play, all of it is intended, except for the stage directions, to be heard by the audience. And so there is this very different rhythm and feel and sound. And so even when it's not being acted, you're exposing your teens to a very different style of writing. And they are experiencing a different style of speaking as they simply read the line that comes to them next. I know my son was in your Reader's Theater group, and he was so astounded about how much fun he had just reading the play. So he's done, like your drama camps, Brina does these kind of things, and he loves the (laughs) acting part. But the Reader's Theater, he enjoyed because it was so relaxed Mm -hmm. and unpretentious, and he did not have to think about how he was presenting himself, the the kids were just reading around the circle and enjoying the story together. Exactly. Um, You also get to decide whether you are going to do um, a play that the kids are already familiar with. Like Mm -hmm. you mentioned, you watched a film version of Much Ado before you read it. Um, It's a great excuse to watch the movie. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I have had kids who have listened to an audiobook version uh, of a play mm-hmm. or um, a radio play or 
There are even some not very well done LibriVox free versions <laughs> of some ancient we and classical plays. LibriVox. I love LibriVox too. And it's if you so don't know awful. LibriVox, it's a wonderful free resource on the internet, yeah. LibriVox.org. And there are a whole lot of audiobooks that yeah. um, that are very well done, and there are a few that are not very well done. And that's okay, yes. because you respect the people who gave their time and effort to create them. Indeed. Um, but yeah, in, we've done some Sophocles and had people who chose to listen to the LibriVox Antigone reading oh, first, because they were just a little not sure. The language is different. It's a little stilted. I don't mean... Yeah, it was Greek. I don't. I don't mean the language is different that way. <laughs> Clearly, we were doing modern English translations, <laughs> but even in the modern English, the language feels a little different, and the vocabulary is a little bit of because of it's pulled strip. from ancient because Greek. It's pulled yes. from ancient Greek. <laughs> Sophocles was no dummy. Come on now. <laughs> but that do, doing an ancient play like that is such a good add-on if you're going to do ancient history. How about that? So, you know, really combine some credits there. And you want to talk about a good vehicle for opening up that unit study to really understand the difference in culture and time. Take one of the ancient plays and, boy, some of the stuff that for those audiences was, was comedy is... Not even like, remotely so funny, funny to us, that, and yeah. sometimes horrifying. And a lot of what was accepted as appropriate relational rules, boy, was it different in the ancient world Indeed. than it is. So, yeah, it opens up a lot of opportunity for discussion and learning. You know, if someone wanted to do uh, Sophocles, they'd be, how do you say it again? Sophocles. Sophocles. SevenSistersHomeschool.com has a study guide, so it's a good background information right. on that Yeah, particular literature study play. guide to accompany Sophocles Antigone, and he's also the guy who wrote Oedipus Rex, or Oedipus the King, and um, yeah, we had some very interesting discussions that came after we read Antigone and did the literature study guide there. So, all right, so let's talk about nuts and bolts. How do you do this? How do you pick a play? Um, how do you decide how many people to have there? Do you have to have enough to cover all the parts? Some plays have very large casts. How long should you give yourself to do it? You talked about making a whole day out of it, but you don't have to. In fact, Indeed. I've done Reader's Theater in bits and pieces, even with a class at our local day school, umbrella school, whatever you call it. And... Actually, I don't recommend that because we had to break it up and then there was a week in between and we lost kind the... Kind of lose the rhythm. Yeah. We had to sort of bring back the synergy the yeah. when we got together the second time. But, yeah, you could just you could spend just an afternoon. Or you could make a wonderful whole event out of it. So, how do we choose plays? How did you choose plays? Well, we chose plays because the family we were working with chose the plays. That's so. one good way to do it. Let somebody else decide. <laughs> it was great just showing up. But they chose the familiar ones to get started. And then some of the some of Shakespeare's really short plays. And, short uh, is not bad. You know, yeah. sometimes as homeschoolers we get a little crazy about having to prove something yeah. and picking the hardest and the longest assignments and titles that we can find. And sometimes it's harder to write well short than Indeed. it is long. Yeah. Um, so 
exposing our kids to things that have been written very tightly and very succinctly mm. is important. So we did. I think we did. Much Ado and Henry V were longer, and I don't even remember the short plays, but they were very good experiences because Reader's Theater is just fun. Right. And then I don't know how we ended up doing uh, the importance of being earnest, which is not oh, Shakespeare. It's not, but it's so, so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a wonderful play! Yes, we we did a different group. Uh, we did the importance of being earnest and just had a blast. Um, we also did Pygmalion. That one's okay. that one's a little bit tougher because of the dialogue that is written somewhat phonetically with the Cockney accent. And so we started that one with everyone just taking turns reading. And after a few pages, the kids said, Mrs. J, can you just read all the Eliza stuff and we'll read the rest of it because it's just hard. We're looking at it and we're like sounding out these odd words. And so, um, so we ended up splitting it them that way, and mm -hmm. I would read her lines, and they would read everybody else's. And it's not that you need to do accents or voices, you're not acting, but when the words themselves on the page are written peculiarly, mm -hmm. um, it's okay to mm -hmm. let a grown-up do that. We did The Crucible, that was one we did with your son. Yes. And we had a small group for that, there were definitely not enough people to cover all the parts, so... People just read more than one part, mm -hmm. and that was okay, because we weren't acting it. We were just reading it. And there's not one right way, way to, to read a reader's theater. theater. That's right. <laughs> and The Crucible was a lot of fun, because if it's not a play that you're really familiar with, it, it takes place during the Salem Witch Trials, but it's not really about the Salem Witch Trials. It's about McCarthyism and the persecution of anyone who might possibly have something that sounded like it could have on a bad day been communist leanings. Mm -hmm. And so we studied the McCarthy era um, in the U.S. history and talked about the motivation behind Arthur Miller writing it and his personal politics and the list of people then who were blackballed and who were completely unable to get work in their industry for many years because of the paranoia that was running um, that, that little slice of our country's history. So they got, they got sort of steeped in the, the Salem part of it from way back in the day and then looked at the theme um, running through history. And then it led to a lot of really cool discussion after the fact, too, about the psychology of a, of a mob and then of a people in a nation and how fear creates ripples. And so it, it ended up being a lot more than I expected it to be, actually. Yes, that one in particular came home with my son from that Reader's Theater Day. And we did a lot of talking about America in the McCarthy era, but also the, the psychology and, uh, you know, symbolism and critical thinking and mob thinking, and the the necessity of learning to think for oneself. Very good. Very good. Um, we had an experience where I thought I was taking something in a more theatrical direction, and it became Reader's Theater, but it became a Reader's Theater performance. We were going to, in our <clears throat> local umbrella school, we were going to do a Shakespeare performance class for a semester and prepare a... Um, 
production of Twelfth Night. And the kids were doing really well with it, but it proved to just be a little bit overwhelming to memorize that much for a full production. And so I made the executive decision as the director to turn it into a reader's theater performance instead. And for that one, I had kids who were already interested in drama and performing. So we were beyond that whole point of, it's okay, we're just reading the play. We just took it to the next level. And we said, okay, we're going to put stools across the stage in a black box theatrical environment, and we're going to read them, but read in character. And so that way they didn't have to have everything memorized. They were holding their scripts, but they were vocally acting the play. And um, a number of kids from our community who then were in the audience to see that were blown away by how engaged they were in watching Mm. their friends sit on stools with black All notebooks. dressed in black, wearing, you know, holding their black notebooks, yes, just reading their lines. But because it was so well prepared and because they had really worked on the characters, um, so that was that was a neat fine arts experience that grew out of what should have been a homeschool fail, you know? Yes. I mean, we were supposed to be doing this production, and it, it failed, except uh, apparently it, it didn't it, fail because it accomplished something wonderful. Well, and, and growing out of that reader's theater experience from the party setting into something else, um, my son became part of a reader's theater team that would go to ACSI, the, the regional uh, speech competition. Yes. So it um, was an annual thing while he was in high school. And they did um, fractured fairy tales, mm-hmm. so they had scripts of that in their black notebooks, and it was hilarious. And they had so much fun. Didn't they do a scene from Cheaper by the Dozen one year? Oh, or two? they did. That was yes. a good one. Cheaper I, by the Dozen was excellent. I got to I got to be a judge at that competition a number of years, and Reader's Theater is one of the most popular categories there. And if you yeah. get assigned to judge that category, you're very happy. Because you'll be really entertained. It was <laughs> it was a delightful experience. But the cool thing about that is that's real public speaking yes. experience. They're being judged and watched by a whole bunch of people. And they're getting competition for their transcripts. I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure that looks good on the high school it transcript. It surely does. Very important to give our teens those kind of opportunities. So other things that you might want to pull into, we've talked a lot about learning the history, culture, whatever um, associated with the play you're doing, and then bringing in music and dance and even opera. A lot of classical and ancient plays inspired operas. Indeed. And so a terrific way to flesh out fine arts, especially for maybe a kid who is not a fine arts performing kind of person, who is logging hours of experiencing different um artistic performance settings is to to then listen to music that grew out of a particular story or a tradition and um, that is a great way to again combine those credits to get double double the punch out of the time that you're investing log those hours in fine arts so they they have they have a way to build a bunch of different credits by doing a reader's theater. And there's not one right way to do it. So Indeed. have fun with it. If you're going to try it, explore it. And if if you hold one event and there are things you didn't like about it, that's okay. You could hold another one and make some changes. In fact, there's a an extensive blog post on sevensistershomeschool.com where I 
talk about the day that we did the small group to read the crucible. And I very bluntly labeled the two sections, what worked well and what didn't work very right. well. What <laughs> we would do different next time. And that's part of the beauty of trusting yourself and the God who gave you these kids and who called you to homeschool, that you can try things and you can tweak them and you can try them differently and you can talk to your kids about what they think worked well and what they would like to try differently in the future. So you can have a reader's theater and it not go perfectly, whatever that definition means. So some things are good to do imperfectly. A lot of things are good to do imperfectly while we learn to do them more perfectly because it keeps us teachable. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. So true. So true. I think that a lot of the key to making Reader's Theater meaningful is choosing scripts that are meaningful. Indeed. And there are a lot of, I want to say this carefully, there are a lot of things that are written with the intention of them being accessible to teenagers. And they are perhaps written for the idea of a drama club or something like that, that are actually just not very well written. They, they don't have much substance to them. They are sort of mass produced and they are being marketed in a way that um, they're being written to the marketing. Let me, let me put okay. it that way, mm-hmm. rather than really having substance and meaning. And so I, that would be my, my main encouragement is you don't have to start with Shakespeare if that feels overwhelming. You don't have to start with Sophocles if that feels overwhelming. But as you're looking for plays, don't necessarily go to the library and check out one of the collections of five great plays for teenagers. Because in most cases, they're by playwrights you've never heard of. You have never seen anybody doing a production of them. They don't have the lasting impact that plays by, by more respected playwrights would have. Yeah. And those things, that's what makes the literature piece of it so rich. In the same way that we don't just pick books written to teens for their book lists, but we also challenge them to read books of substance. Yeah. Use your reader's theater experience for plays with substance, too. It's good for their character development. It is. is. So one one place, if they need some just accessible plays that are also meaningful, is to check (laughs) sevensistershomeschool.com. And Sabrina has actually written plays for the teens that the purpose of it is to have a meaningful experience while having a drama experience. So the the plays that my kids have done with Sabrina are they they bring up thinking and meaning and you know why are we here and what are we doing and what is our faith like and uh, so so the kids call the, their drama camps every year, the the week that has meaning. <laughs> the week that life has meaning, yeah. Yes. Somebody coined that about 10 years ago, and we we still laugh about it. But that that is that is the goal. And the plays that I've written are not necessarily tremendous literature. I'm not fooling myself. But there is most definitely substance there, and they were designed to get my teens and their friends and the other kids who came to our drama camps thinking and talking and wondering about the characters in the story and about their own lives. So they may not be ready for Shakespeare Reader's Theater yet, but they might be ready for some meaningful questions. And that uh, 
checking out sevensistershomeschool.com's drama resources, it would be a good place to start. So we hope that you will do that. There are also blog posts about drama and making it meaningful for teens. So check out the blog while you're there. And once you've had lots of fun tooling around the sevensistershomeschool.com website, maybe you should go to the iTunes website too, because you could you could leave stars there for our podcast and help other homeschool families find us. And reviews would be really nice because it does bump us up in the visibility when we get reviews and stars. Whatever that mysterious thing is on the internet that makes search engines come up with results, that's what we're trying to work with. And we yeah. want to be a blessing to other homeschool families like you. If you are tuning in as our seventh sister to listen to these podcasts, there are probably others like you who need a little encouragement and some practical strategies. So thank you for joining us. We hope that you will go have an adventure with Reader's Theater. Indeed. Because it's cool and you should do it. And you should do it. Yes. <laughs> and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your week, whatever your family is up to, and that you will tune back in again for future podcasts here on the Homeschool High School Podcast from sevensistershomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.